This is the post-Kokoro breakdown. After the, the five weeks leading up, we've, uh, we've done the event. We're back home and nice and warm. We've got dry socks on and life is good. And we're back with Coach Eric Larson from, uh, it's Aspen CrossFit, correct? Correct. Correct. You got it. We got it. So Coach is back with us. Coach, uh, we, we had a really fun podcast with you a couple weeks back leading up to Kokoro. And uh, we're back with myself and Hunter McIntyre post Kokoro. And, and we're going we're gonna to get back into the thick of it. We're going to talk about Kokoro and break down the, uh, the event and, and what happened. We'll start off with, uh, which, with Coach Larson has uh, some questions for Hunter and I. Let's, let's get right into it. One of the things that I want to know, Hunter, uh, given that I was your coach at uh, your first experience at Kokoro, uh, where the venue was in Encinitas, um, aside from a little road trip, I want to know what your experience was like the second time, given that you might have had some inclination of what to expect and what was the significance of the change in venue for you? And also, yeah, what was um, it like to be there with Dylan? Okay. Um, well, part one, I think first time through, I was just there to be there. It was just kind of like a race to me. I was going start to finish um, as hard as I could, which was entertaining in its own way, but I don't think that's what the experience is really meant to be. Um, but I was there for my own reasons, selfishly or not selfishly, whatever it was. Selfishly. Uh, the second Selfishly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the second time through, I think I kind of just sat back and I was entertained by the idea of the, the entirety of it all and what kind of game it was. Like, you know, as Dylan was saying before, how the coaches are trying to pluck different chords in you at all different times and try to really evoke a response from you, whether it be watching you rise to the occasion and bring the team on your shoulders and like, you know, everybody goes together or watch you break off from the pack and stress out on your own. And they immediately tried to do that with me in the beginning by putting me in an ice bath within like the first like 30 minutes. They didn't even wait. They just took me, blindfolded me, put me in the bucket. And I'm so happy to, to hear that. <laughs> yeah, no, but I was able to cycle right back in. No holdbacks. I was like, no big deal. I've been, I've been freaking practicing you assholes. Uh, pardon my French, but uh, so <laughs> I don't think uh, any coach is going to take that personally. Yeah, so uh, that was entertaining. And I think it was quite exciting for me. And I don't, I hope people don't take this the wrong way, but I almost felt like people saw me as like a Sherpa to them because they knew I had done this before. And I don't know if I necessarily was that for Dylan, but I was, I was a lot of guidance for people. They'd come up to me and they'd ask me questions. And I wasn't trying to give away anything and ruin the experience, but. I just let them know what was going to like, you know, what we needed to prepare for. And this every single time, even if it was just like hit the surf for the thousandth time, I would just charge at the ocean screaming just to keep the energy up. So um, I was entertained by my new approach. And uh, last but not least, it is somewhat of a bummer to kind of pull away from the heart and core of what seal fit is, which is that, that traditional grinder experience in Encinitas. Yeah. Um, like I think everything's evolving throughout time. It would be nice. It's just like, you know, the CrossFit game started on the ranch. Now it's in the Carson, uh, you know, the Home Depot Center in Carson. Everything is going to graduate and grow. And I think Temecula uh, Vale Lake is a great experience and great venue for people to really get their asses kicked and see seal foot for what it truly is. Because 
we did own that entire um, campground and just rock it. Yeah, that we did. That we did. It was a good time, man. I, you know, hopefully, uh, you know what? I, other than that, dude, it's just, it's Kokoro camp. It, it rocked me harder than it did last time. Did it really? If that was just me in a different place in my life or if these guys were just really gunning for me. So tell, tell me a little bit more about that. In, in what ways? I would say. I'll just, I'll just, let me preface it by saying, because uh, I don't, uh, just, just a quick recap of our last one. You know, when you showed up, uh, you stood out, you, you caught the coach's attention. Okay. Even though, uh, and, and I'm interested to know also were, uh, who were the same coaches that were at the second experience, but uh, let me just say that you stood out from the crowd in the first camp, second camp, some of the coaches may have known you from the previous experience. Um, but, but how did it rock you differently the second time and in a bigger way? Um, I don't know. Like, it's hard to say why it hit me differently. Physically, physically, it was just way harder on me because I, 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 they knew I was coming and they knew that we were documenting this thing. So I, I, I know that they intentionally put a lot of pressure on me, like right away from the start, everyone got to go through PT doing their own thing. I had a 40 pound sandbag put in my backpack from the start. And I spent all day with that 40-pound sandbag, and nobody had to pick up rocks until, like, nighttime, practically. Um, it was just physically hard. And also, you know, it got to me emotionally for a second there because I knew that these guys were gunning for me, and I just, it just broke down in my head. And I was like, these guys just want to stuff me like a pig and stick me on their wall and have me as a trophy and just tell their friends back home, hey, I made this, you know, this Spartan dickhead cry out there in the cold water because you know we just made them break down and i was just like i don't want to play their games like i don't want to play their games like i want to be here the here for the experience not for their games that they want to just play with me so that was really hard on me and eventually i just had this big shift in my my mindset the second day while i was being dragged through the woods on a stretcher that um you know honestly that i really wasn't danger that nothing could truly hurt me and that everything did have its clock evolution like meaning that everything would come to an end and uh right once that came it was like a weight off my shoulders nothing hurt anymore i was like oh my gosh but uh yeah in reality and then they brought the logs out then they brought the logs out and i flipped out again I had a right little, back I had to, a right back to where we started <laughs> yeah i had an emotion they, uh, they constantly had a way of keeping the pressure applied to Hunter a little bit more than everybody else involved. So whenever we were on the grinder initially and they were putting Hunter in the ice bath, <clears throat> we're all doing bear crawls all over the place and push-ups and sit-ups and stuff like that. And I look over and Hunter's blindfolded suddenly and he's, he's got his shirt wrapped around his face and, and they're just on him like hawks with the megaphones blaring. <laughs> It was, it was just hyper intense on Hunter. And I feel like they wanted to do the same thing to me. And uh, I, was, I was somehow able to just deflect it and, and stay in my lane. And any kind of comments they had towards me, which I know were documented uh, by, our, by our film crew, I, I can only imagine the type of dialogue that, that can surface from, 
from our film guy. But they said a lot of crazy stuff to me and I was able to just kind of, you know, understand it and accept it for what it was and not let it hurt my feelings in any in any capacity or just offering no reaction. In, in most cases, I would I would just not even react and just um, accept the situation and keep moving forward 10 minutes at a time. Well, that's what I had said in our original podcast is um, if you start to take stuff personally, it's going to weigh you down. And none of the stuff that occurs there is in a, what do I want to say? It's not, they're not singling anybody out for any particular reason. Um, I think that the reason that they may have, um, I'm about to say singled out, but they gave Hunter an extra dose. And I can tell you, um, and Dylan, I just lost the uh, video for you. I can still see Hunter. Um, I, um, I know that they gave Hunter an extra dose because he'd been through it before, but uh, I guarantee you for the other Kokoro participants, it's not like they got off lightly. No, uh, I, there's, there's no way. Dude, I, I and I'm not suggesting that you were suggesting that, Dylan, um, but um, uh, where did he go? Here I am. I wouldn't worry about it. He's he's right here. It's right, there he is. The blab, blab, blab. No, there he is. We're still live. No, but I was saying that uh, although they gave Hunter an extra dose, given the fact that he had been to the camp before, it's kind of like when I said when Hackenbrook came back the second time, uh, the 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 order of camp and some of the activities were changed, and he was like, you know, this is harder because I don't have any idea what to anticipate, but. Um, uh, the other participants in Kokoro, yourself included, Dylan, were not let off the hook because more attention was given, being given to Hunter. I, I can, I can say that with uh, full faith. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So let me ask you each this question, and you can answer in whatever order you want. Um, what was your biggest takeaway, given your past experiences that may have prepared you? Uh, for this experience, what would you say was your one biggest takeaway? Um, I can answer that first, Hunter, and you can think about it. But um, we were talking earlier about, like, I don't know if this was the hardest event I've ever done physically on my body. Um, you know, I've pushed these limits before, but Kokoro kind of offered me these situations where we, we had these open dialogues with the coaches about, our purpose for being there and, and our why and uh, these certain evolutions we were in had these deeply significant moments where they would tell you that, um, you know, these logs that we're going to pick up, they embody your why. They are your why. Mm -hmm. So I'm like carrying this log around. And it's just, it's the most heaviest log I've ever shouldered. It's like a hundred something pound log and it's too heavy. Was this an, was this an individual log? Yes. It was an individual. Okay. Um, okay. And it's, it's the heaviest log I've, you know, that was there. It was the biggest one that they have. And Mark Devine kind of coerced me to yeah take that one. That one's for you. That one has your name on it, Dylan. <laughs> and uh, I was definitely eyeing a smaller one, but whenever he told me that, I just accepted it as that's, that's, it is what it is. So I put it up on my shoulder and man, my shoulders were just sunburnt and, and shredded up from the little stupid backpacks we had on all night, the night before. 
and uh, the the duration that we carry those logs, I'm just thinking about my purpose and my why of of who I am, and and you know why why it is that I do the things that I do, why I'm coaching here at my gym all day today, and why I'm working hard to to be more successful in my life, and. I can tell you that that, that experience was, uh, was deeply significant to me and it definitely caused a shift in, in how, I, how I've been operating since then. And I, I've just been very dedicated that that is my focus, that is my why and, and my purpose for, for doing what I do. And so tell me, what is your why? I was my girlfriend and my dog. I was thinking about just being home to my family and, and the people that love me and the people that support me to, to get where I'm at. Uh, I saw it. I saw it right there. That's you know where what I was missing was being home in my bed, in my comfy bed with my blankets and my beautiful girlfriend and my cuddly, comfortable little dog, my German Shepherd at home. It's uh, that's what motivated me to push through, man. Was uh, was getting home to that and getting back into my routine of of uh, striving for success in, in business and in life to uh to provide for my little my little family at home so i'll tell you what my why was okay and then uh, hunter i want you to um i want you to uh answer the question as well so um i had been seeking uh a deeper level of understanding of who i am who is eric larson as a as a an individual as a team member uh as a not team as in seal teams by the way i'm not military um as in who am i as a a boyfriend um i uh who am i as a father who am i as a friend uh and, and so i wanted to deepen that understanding and so my why was becoming uh more of who I am, more authentically, um, allowing myself to be vulnerable, uh, to be seen, to express emotion, uh, to, to show up at a hundred percent, even on my worst days. Uh, so, you know, to me that, that is for me and a significant why. And I think the biggest takeaway for me from Kokoro was, I mean, I was broken down to my core. If you recall, I did it, the, 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 it started the day of my 45th birthday. So uh, the takeaway for me was that I am bigger than any obstacles and holy crap, were there a lot of obstacles at Kokoro. Um, and I honestly, you know, I didn't go there to quit. I, the last thing I wanted to do was come home and have my, my athletes at the gym say, how was it? And say, yeah, it was awesome, but I didn't finish. You know, that was not an option. You know, and yet there were times, uh, and you guys may relate to this, and may, maybe not, but there were times when I literally questioned whether it was humanly possible for me to continue. Okay, I was so beaten and so battered and so bloodied, uh, but there was something in me that, um, that allowed me to persevere and to, to, to just say, okay, I'm just going to take this one evolution at a time. And I, I, I'm pretty sure I can get through this one. And then the next one would come along and be like, man, I wish I was doing that last thing. <laughs> well, or, 
Yeah, I wish we were closer to the end, but yeah, you know that, that wasn't the case. So, so, so Hunter, um, having heard that, tell me what your why was and what your biggest takeaway was from this camp. Uh, well, my why, my why was to be a better team player. I, I still to this day am I'm not very good at. Uh, I'm not very good at being able to hold myself accountable to the people around me, not, not necessarily always just teams. Like I don't like doing team events and I've been in team events and some have been successful. Other ones as I start to see people who are weaker than me um, start to fall off and, you know, I trim the fat and uh, that's why I do individual sports because I trim a lot of fat. And <laughs> give me uh, an example of a, of a team event for you. I remember I used to be a lacrosse player. I used to be a great okay. lacrosse player. And I had these two dickheads on my team. And uh, I worked so hard. I would run up and down the field a million miles an hour, so much harder than everybody else on the team. And these two guys, they would just chuck the ball out of bounds and just laugh their ass off and just watch it kind of roll away. And um, okay. so that's why I kind of like, you know, that that's what really I remember the last big thing that made me realize I'm never going to do a team event again. Uh, then I I remember doing Kokoro camp when those logs the logs are probably the biggest team builder that really killed me because I can I'll never forget being on the log in my first Kokoro camp because there was a guy who had just done the academy and rolled into Kokoro camp who was doing this little fingertip log carry and he wouldn't hold the weight on his shoulders and all of it sat on mine and he was just <laughs> dancing underneath and it made me want to carve him up and coach um gosh what the hell is his name coach cummings caught me just laying into him under like i was just whispering alongside the log i was like you mother flipper you get that log up on your shoulder and you start dealing with some of the shit that i'm dealing with <laughs> and i remember I remember laying into some guys in that camp um, and also just, you know, in events like world's toughest mutter, I've watched, you know, last year uh, we pulled out because one of our guys got hurt, but also I wasn't making it easy on the team. We, we all said that we were going to go for a hundred miles. So I set the pace and I set the RPMs at a, at a, a line that would equate to a hundred miles. And I was not letting go and people were suffering and they were dragging. I was like, guys, I'm not slowing down. And I realized um, that I'm going to have to put myself in situations and I am going to have to suffer more than, if not the same amount, if not more than the rest of the team to really uh, understand what mm. it's like to hold myself accountable for being a team player. And whether that be in relationships with the people that I'm dating, my family, my team events, my businesses, um, I just haven't been really good at listening and also just being empathetic to whatever people's situations are. And uh, for me, uh, what I really pulled away from Kokoro camp when doing it is that life doesn't always have to necessarily be a Rubik's cube. I think when you, when you look at the camp and it's 50 plus hours, uh, it's supposed to be 50 hours. Then all of a sudden, right when you walk in, they say, hey, um, it's going to be 52, maybe 55 hours. Then they're just adding little more blocks to this Rubik's Cube. Then all of a sudden, they're starting to add the evolutions. They're adding more to this Rubik's, Cube, Rubik's Cube's complexity. And right when you look at it for all of its individual, like, messed up little things that you're going to have to correct, 
then that is when you start to lose the fight. So I realize you have to just kind of sometimes just look through it all and just see it for the square that it is and try to approach it as a whole and try to take things one block at a time. And it's just like, you know, if you look at a gigantic tractor tire and you're like, I have to get this across this field, it's don't necessarily need to flip it every single time. Maybe you can get it up on its side and figure out the easy ways to go through life and kind of just really not let all the stress of life kind of just pound on top of you and compile on top of you. And uh, that was the big weight that came off of my shoulder in that camp. Mm. And um, I don't know necessarily if it really released my why, but I definitely think that I became better of a team player and also just I held myself more accountable for the people who are alongside of me in that camp. So I think I gained a lot from it. Um, I'm going to be very prepared for the events that I have lined up this year that are team um, team oriented. And hopefully I'm able to treat the people in my life who need a little bit more team orientation a little bit better. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's fantastic. No, I love hearing that. And a couple things, um, come to mind one you know everybody uh, everybody's at a different level and you didn't just get to the level that you're at on your own would you agree with that you know I actually had a huge argument with my ex-girlfriend and my best friend at a dinner table one time saying that I did Mm -hmm. and that was two years ago right around this time two years ago sitting at a table uh, at my house and they both got up from the table. My girlfriend drove home and my friend didn't talk to me for the rest of the night. So uh, I've had a big shift since then. And I totally do understand that I am a link in a chain and this tra- chain is, you know, traveling forward at all at the same speed. And I can't really consider myself to be the whole unit, but part of it. Right. Exactly. So. I mean, you've had lots of teachers along the way in your life. You've been to Kokoro. You've got parents. I don't know if you have siblings, but everybody that has come into your life has come into your life for a reason and I look at everybody as a teacher so people that are uh participating with you in a uh, in a team setting are, are are coming from different walks of life and and different life experiences and you have an opportunity to inspire and elevate people rather than rather than break them down or put them down so I love hearing that uh, that that's been a bit of a shift for you. Um, Thanks. The other th- yeah. Absolutely, man. Um, I just wanted to chime in really quick that <clears throat> I was able to see Hunter kind of take on some leadership roles and take on some some really, you know, team building type maneuvers during Kokoro where, uh, you know, you didn't necessarily have to work a little harder to help the team, but you did. You took it upon yourself to to take on some sort of extra challenge to, uh, to ease the burden on, on the rest of the team. I can just think of whenever we were in the pool and uh, they had us doing all these crazy drills down and back in the pool. And there were literally points in the, in the pool racing thing where Hunter was like waiting up for me and then literally pulling me, like catapulting me further along in the pool so I could get to the end a little bit quicker and, and have a, a better shot at getting re- whatever. teamwork done teamwork, baby. We, teamwork. <laughs> yeah, there was some you- really amazing moments of teamwork and uh, Hunter, I know you helped me specifically at, at certain points in Kokoro and I was able to give back to you at, uh, at other phases of the event. 
where where you dude i was passed out cold for the first three hours of the trek like just zombie mode and this dude kept me from falling off the cliffs you know the big uh the big mountain hike dude i was absolutely just i was destroyed coach i was unconscious running and i was in uh i was like in a total head case mode people were trying to feed me and give me water and i was telling them that i'd been eating and drinking the whole time like i lost my up from down man it was just it was they put us in those vans and they had the heat cranked up to a thousand no way oh yeah it was so hot. Did you guys get on Dylan and Dylan was getting pissed off at me because there was a heat vent right next to me and I was trying to get away from it. Oh my god. Did you guys get sleepy? Yeah, we got a little tired. I was a little sleepy, huh? That's (laughs) cool. They don't mind if you catch a few winks, huh? No. I did I did a hundred and sixty no no handed burpees. Yeah. Good. Yeah, they were uh, I remember uh being in that situation and it was like every 10 seconds uh we'd nod off i had rob orlando to my right and hackenbrook to my left and we were doing flutter kicks with our arms to stay awake and pretty soon our foreheads would be on the seat in front of us like it was just a no-win situation oh it was beautiful i I, I thrive deprivation situations um and that's where i was able to really help out hunter and keep him on his toes Hmm. We had a lot sometimes of fun. Big, sometimes this big guy gets tired. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, another thing I wanted to say was, um, you know, Hunter, you were talking about, you were using the, um, the metaphor of a Rubik's Cube. And one of the things that, uh, that I learned um, at Kokoro and through some other experiences is that I set myself up for potential failure when I have certain expectations about how something ought to go or how something ought to be done. Um, I love your example of you don't have to flip the tire the whole time just because you like to work out. You can get it on its side and roll it for a little while and give yourself a break. The other thing Mm -hmm. too is not being attached to an, an outcome, rather being open to outcomes, if you will, right? So that whole thing that, oh, this is what the outcome is going to be. That, it might be 180 degrees opposite of what you might anticipate the outcome to be. Um, so uh, I think that I liked your analogy of the Rubik's Cube. Like, oh, here's another block that I got to turn. Or I had no idea this was coming. Um, or, gosh, this wasn't how we did it the first time around. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, dude, that, that that's exactly where I was at the entire time. And, and when they added more stress to me, I just saw it and it was compiling and uh, eventually it just all released. I remember it almost became a relief to have the hose in my face because I just knew that that was like, you know, the end of them trying to push me to my limits ready for the next stage. Like I was just, yeah. I was just anticipating these things and I was feeling it and I was just letting it happen rather than, you know, really anticipating the stress that was going to happen. You know what I mean? Well, so, yeah. Yep. I, I just, I think it's really cool. I would just say this and anybody who's listening um, that the whole idea of Kokoro camp isn't not necessarily to, you know, tell everybody when you get home that you did it because I was there and I definitely wanted to, but more so once you really absorb the whole idea of it, that 
you are basically hardening your mind and kind of pushing all that extra BS tools that you have in your shed and maybe just minimizing it down to that screwdriver and that hammer and just realizing how much you can just do with so little. Yeah. And that might just be your, your brain and your five fingers, whatever the heck that may be. You don't necessarily need all of these extra, you know, all this icing on the cake to get things done or add a little bit extra flavor to your life. That's right. You just need to really be passionate about the things you have with you. And it takes a long time and a lot of suffering for that to come through and to really soak into your system. Yep. So that, that's, that's what, to, that, that's what number two was really highlighted in my mind. And I have told people that I will go back for number three, but it may not be until like 2020. So don't get excited. Well, I think it's, I think it might be beneficial to you to have some more life experience before you go and do it again. You know, don't oh, just sure. do it. Yeah. Don't just do it to do it. You know, do it. Make sure that you have another why. Right. Yeah. And um, got to get there. I, got, I, I already burnt all my uh, burnt all my matches uh, on that last one. Now I got to come up with a whole new new set of them. Well, and remember, like you said, with regards to the uh, the hammer and the screwdriver, you don't need a match to start a fire. So there's lots of ways to start yeah, a fire. Hey, um, I don't want to be a drama queen, but we've been doing this for over an hour and I got to go. Uh, I'm here with my family. So I, I wrote down a list of rapid fire questions for you, coach, and Dylan, okay. you can jump in. All right. All right. Okay. I just want to chime in really rapid quick. Fire. Uh, Hunter, the whole idea of being so versed in dealing with challenges, you develop the skill of obstacle immunity, which uh, Joe DeSena talks about a lot. And we cut, we're going to cover it a gogi in uh, June. But the idea is you, you face these intense, insane, impossible challenges and you find out that you're capable of a lot more than you might think you are. And then facing these challenges, you kind of accept the 20 X theory. Yes. Right. Right. So that, that's definitely something we both took home from Luca Coral. Love it. Ahead, Hunter rapid fire questions. Let's hear them, brother. All right. Rapid fire questions. You guys can go. I'm going to shoot it for, towards coach first. Okay. What was your first post-Kokoro thought? Family, food, intercourse, whatever you want to talk about. What was my it? kids. What was the first my, thing you wanted to get? Kids? I wanted to come home and talk to my kids about my experience. And, you know, just talking about that causes me to well up with tears. The emotion of, you know, going out there and, uh, holy crap, hang on. Bring going it in. Out there, going out there and doing stuff that's going to elevate me to a, a new level of, of me uh, you know, as an ind- as a human being. I appreciate Beautiful. that. It's awesome. Love it. Dylan, what was your first thought, brother? Uh, I don't know, man. I was kind of just like shell-shocked in a way. I didn't know what to do next. I wasn't too tired that I, I needed to go to sleep. I, I like, I was so, <laughs> I was so thankful to, uh, to be on the other side of those coaches where it went from, you know, their, their aggressive, um, Kokoro coach mindset that turned over into like friendship suddenly. And, and I can't remember the female coach's name, but it went from like, she almost, I felt like she singled me out multiple times and, and was saying like rude stuff to me throughout the event. And then it went to like, you know, Dylan, you did a great job and she gave me like a big hug. And and then we all ate catered barbecue that the camp had set up for the event. Did she have black curly hair? Yeah, yeah. A triathlete? So. Yeah, Danielle Gordon. Danielle Gordon. That sounds right. Yeah. 
she was totally great. And after the event, we communicated enough that, that I, I left with just such great emotions and feelings about, about the whole experience. But I was really blown, blown away at what a beautiful event Kokoro was and just how well structured. And uh, they, they got it dialed in, man. They know how to make you dig deep and they know how to really, really get down to your core and your essence. And it's, and, it's the best of the best. No it doubt. is, man. They don't play around. They uh, they really trim the fat, and 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 I got down to my, to my why, and I and I got worn down to that level. And man, I just enjoyed the shit out of that barbecue, and I enjoyed the rest of the two days that I had. Deep Love it. Trim the fat. This is supposed to be rapid fire. Roll up. Go. Hit Next. It. Next question, baby. All right. So you've already you already dug into this. Number two. What was your first meal? Do you remember? My first meal was. The barbecue at Kokoro. So it was a uh, oh. catered Mexican and authentic Mexican. And uh, being in the raw emotion of post Kokoro and eating that food was surreal. Oh, dude. Mine was coconut water in the barbecue, too. Okay. Yep. Delicious. Nothing negative here, but were there any parts of Kokoro camp that you didn't like? Now, we all talk about the positivity of it. Is there anything you were like, holy crap, this is not good? In what respect? Just be honest. Like it, it wasn't safe or uh, it's something that just pushed my buttons? You. There was I nothing. At one point, the log PT, I was like, there's no way this is safe. But that's just my emotion. Well, okay. Um, I, I don't consider that there, there was nothing that I did at Kokoro that I thought was unsafe in terms of you know, life-threatening you or otherwise. Unsafe necessarily. You could right. have said, I just hated the MREs. Oh, God. Well, yeah, and I'm not just going to accept that because you said it, but those things were gross. Oh, uh, and at the same time, no, I'm serious. That first catered meal followed by the tearing open of the cold beef enchilada that was packaged God knows when. Mm. Um, I, I wasn't a big fan of those. The, the activities... <laughs> uh, yeah, I got I got really cold. I mean, like to cold to the point where uh, I wasn't sure if I was convulsing or shivering to the point where I I couldn't stop. That was that was uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, but we were there, dude. We were just bear hugging each other in that like March of the Penguin style. All of us hugged together. Yeah, and I I don't I'm kind of one of those guys that has a lot of internal heat, and I got really cold, and that yeah, but. I wouldn't change anything. I'll, 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 okay. I'll throw that in there. That I wouldn't have changed that. What was your favorite part? My favorite part of Kokoro uh, for me was being alongside the, the rock star athletes that were at my camp, i.e. Greg Amundsen, Tommy Hackenbrook, Kristen Clever, Miko Salo, uh, uh, Rob Orlando, uh, and, and having turned 45 the day of the start of camp, just being alongside those guys and showing up uh, and, and I guess coming home with the Fire in the Gut Award. I, I told you guys in the first podcast, podcast that I had not, I've not gotten a lot of awards in my life. And that, that to me, I, I see that every day on my wall at my office. And that was probably my favorite thing. They stopped rewarding yeah, I know. It's a anyway. Okay. What's your next um, 
I mean, like for you, after you've kind of tackled something that is that big and challenging, what do you think for people who might be listening is the next step after camp? It doesn't necessarily have to be even bigger or better, but what do you think is one of the things you would suggest to somebody who is kind of looking to you for advice of what's the next thing you can do? What's the next thing to improve upon? How do you expand? Well, I mean, there's, there's so many things, Hunter. Uh, I'm going to refer to the human condition, the condition of, of being human. Um, there's no such thing as a fairy tale upbringing. We've all been through stuff. Um, so there are so many things out there. One of the biggest things for me was the fear of uh, being vulnerable and speaking in public. So whether it, it's, I would say anything that gets you outside your comfort zone, because that to me is the only place uh, where I learn. And I think that's probably true for, for most people. Um, I, I, I touched on the program that was the turning point in my adult life, the Hoffman process, hoffmaninstitute.org. I think that's the best thing that any human being can do for themselves. That laid the foundation for me. Um, I did something called mastery of self-expression, uh, which was about, um, uh, being on stage and being seen, which is, was my biggest fear in life. And now I seek it. Um, so that's kind of an open, uh, kind of a broad question, you know, for me, what's next for me, you know, you put out the challenge and I haven't really thought about it and I know the time is approaching, but the Spartan race in Breckenridge this summer, you better um, start training Get on that mountain bike. Okay. Um, well, we'll talk further about that, but you put the challenge out there. I've not registered for it. I don't know anything about it or what to expect, but it's something that I would like to do. Um, so I'd, I'd like to explore that more with you when we're, uh, we're done with the call. So I don't know if I answered okay. your question or not, but finding well, something that's going to get you outside your comfort zone. I, that's that's exactly what we wanted to hear. That's exactly what we wanted to hear. And I I basically put my show notes. I don't know if you can read that, but that is come to Breckenridge if you weren't going to answer that. But you already answered that. And those are my six rapid fire questions. And on that ending note, all I wanted to say on my own was that BDUs suck. Low boots were much better than they thought they were. And anybody who's listening, you buy better buy some spandex because it's pretty nice to have underneath those crappy ass BDUs. You better believe it. You better believe it. You better believe it. You boys, um, I'm sorry that I have to run, but I, I traveled across the country to spend time with my lovely grandparents, and I'm going to go show them some love. Right on. Show right on. Well, Dylan, do you want to stay on or do you need to go? You want to end it? I'm good, man. I'm good to hang out. I've got I've got nothing but time here to spend with you, Coach. So if you're if you're down to keep chatting, we can uh, we can send Hunter off. Let's give it a couple more minutes. It looks like he just uh, he just jumped off. Um, so uh, just a couple more minutes, Dylan. Yeah. Um, given your experience that you had at Kokoro, um, aside from just go do it. What would you say to others that happen to be listening that, that might be considering Kokoro? Uh, what would you say to someone that's thinking about this? Oh, man. Yeah, aside from just go for it and definitely, definitely embrace the challenge of, of an event like this. Uh, having balance, having, having a balanced state of mind and uh, the mind, body, spirit kind of thing that, that Mark Devine encourages. Uh, from himself and from his athletes 
it's not a joke. It's, it's for real. Whenever you get there, that it's, it's a full blown challenge of your mind, body, and spirit. And that you are going to be tested to the extreme, um, not just physically, but mentally and, and spiritually in some ways. I, uh, I had the most significant change occur during the event whenever they put me in the ice bath <clears throat> and forced pretty much to uh to find my breath and to find my calm while I was under the water with my little snorkel. I uh Mark Devine just gave me the ultimatum of he's gonna hold my head underwater and uh I'm not gonna come out from under the water until his his hands off my head. And yeah. that was kind of the the moment of okay, here we go. I'm in and I'm committed and uh you know, let's get some breaths off. And I came out of that ice bath with like a renewed sense of, of power and control of what I'm capable of. And from, from that point forward in the event, it was just all go. Yeah. It was all just accepting the current challenge in the moment and, and moving forward. Yep. Well, I, I would like to add, you know, you touched on that it, it, in some ways it was a spiritual experience for me. It was very spiritual. Absolutely. There were so many times when I, I, you know, okay. So you've got, you've got your intellect, right? Your yep. intellect drives you through kind of the linear thinking stuff. You got your emotional self, which allows you to feel whatever it is that you're feeling in the moment. You know, you've got your physical body that gets you that will, will, and, you know, if you take care of it, will not ever let you down in my opinion. And then you've got your spiritual self, that part of you that shows up that part of you that inspires your athletes, if you will, that part of you that is, is, uh, uh, it, it's your light. It's that light that you allow to shine. And it was as spiritual as it was mental, as it was physical for me. And for me, uh, though I questioned my physical capacity to get through it, it was the mental piece that, that got me through. Uh, what do you think about that? What, how does that resonate for you? Yeah, there, there's a certain point in the event where your body is done. You, you've done enough push-ups, you've done enough squats, and you've ran enough that you, you've, I felt like I kind of reached my limit, you know, and then they have us do Murph. Yeah. <laughs> and uh you know you think you're done you think you can't take anymore but there's that thing that uh that spirit that's that's kind of under wraps and you don't you don't need to tap into it ever in our normal life in our normal existence and you know i finished my sets here at the gym and i finished my workout and i think i'm done that's it i'm gonna go eat now and you know yep. uh, that's enough for today but at kokoro there it's not enough no there's just an infinite and you find out that there's this infinite loop of capability that your body can just continue to tap into this well of resources that it's, it's from that spirit and it's from that mental, yeah. um, that thing it's, it's somewhere inside your, inside of your soul that, that you can tap into in the right situation. And Kokoro yeah. has a, a very efficient path, uh, to help you tap into that. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how many started camp? 20. How many finished? 13. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So that's, uh, that's a third. Yeah, man. There was, uh, there was one guy that Hunter loves to talk about named Mamut. Mamut showed up in uh, five pound leather Timberland boots that were unbroken in and uh, didn't know what a burpee was whenever we were on the grinder. 
So wow. he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And yeah, I don't know how he ended up there, but he was out really quick. And uh, we had some really tough guys quit at the, at the ocean. Uh, that's where the, the real, the real challenge went down. It was the first, you know, 10 hours of the event and, and we're at the, the ocean doing the surf torture stuff. And were you in Encinitas at that point? I couldn't tell you where we were. We were in the, oh, okay. we were in the vans for an hour or so. And, uh, they moved us from, from, uh, Vale Lake to the ocean. I'm not sure where exactly it was, but I can tell you that there was a, a, a very beautiful lit stairway that seemed to never end that they would send us off to from time to time. So I don't know if you were in the same location where they had this beautiful lit concrete staircase. Uh, but we ran yeah. up. Times. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, you know, I suppose even the people that tap out or quit uh, get something out of it. But, sure. you know, I think the message in what you just said about showing up with uh, five pound boots and not knowing what a movement is, you know, not everybody knows what everything's going to be. But for God's sakes, it, it speaks volumes to me in terms of being prepared. Yeah, they're not going to hold your hand. No, and very if, you, if you didn't at least Google it and go online and watch some videos, uh, you just showed up, showed up cold turkey. To me, that's like going camping without any camping supplies and, and, and expecting to learn how to build a, a shelter and start a fire when you yeah. know nothing about anything and just in hoping terms of wilderness survival. Yeah, just hoping that things pan out. I, I don't think I was as prepared as I should have been, but I showed up with the essentials and I had the the idea in the back of my head, knowing that, you know, it says on that warning order for Kokoro camp that you should be capable of doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And you should be, your boots should be broken in and you should be sweating in them and they should be ready to put some miles in. And, you know, that you got to go into this event with that understanding that, uh, you're going to be, you're going to be working for 50 hours and it's going to involve pull-ups, push-ups, squats, burpees, and the Log ocean. carries and a little swimming and the, the surf. Yeah. You remember when you asked me, uh, you know, you, you had asked me, you know, some things to prepare for. I said, make sure you go out and ruck in the boots that you're going to wear yes. and ruck under, uh, well, ruck, you know, means to have a rucksack on, you know, ruck under load because you're going to be carrying load for just about the entire camp. So don't show up and go, oh, I got to put on a backpack with some weight in it. Uh oh. You know, oh man, my poor trap. To face the surprises. And there's certainly no. surprises at Kokoro. There's certain situations where you're going to be a little blindsided. But of as course. long as you follow the rules of preparation, like, okay, I've got the boots, I've got the right amount of socks. They suggested to have four pairs of socks or whatever. I can tell you, man, I've had way worse situations on my feet in the events I've done. Yeah, and Kokoro. I mean, they they kind of set you up for success in some ways. They they yeah. allow you to prepare properly to to show up and and get a good good safe positive experience for the most part. Well, I'd like I just want to say to to conclude the podcast. Uh, you know, welcome to the club. Uh, and I say that in reference to what I call the one percent. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of people in our world. And I think 1% of the population are really willing to do the kinds of things that, that we have experienced, uh, whether it's Kokoro, whether it's uh, a Spartan death race, uh, to, to put ourselves in that situation uh, that goes beyond what 99% of the world are willing to do.
And I'm not saying that in a boastful way. I'm saying that uh, being willing to show up like that and get way outside your comfort zone and being put to task and do challenges that, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do on your own or you wouldn't uh, do on, you know, on, on any, any given day uh, is part of that 1% club. And, um, you know, you just got to be willing to put yourself out there to, to become a member, if you will. You got to show up and put your seatbelt on. <laughs> and buckle up. <laughs> and buckle up, man. And buckle up, baby. I, I love these events. And I, yeah. I truly treasure the mm. memories that I've, I've been able to bring home from Kokoro. And uh, I, can't, I can't, you know, express that enough to, to the people around me that these events are they're transformative. And yeah. incredible that they exist. It's a, it's a beautiful, incredible thing that happens in Vail Lake to make it like California every couple months, they do these things that are just deeply transformative for everybody involved. And I'm sure it affects the coaches in, in some amazing ways too, but for every athlete there, we've been talking on Facebook every day and, and yeah. man, we just, we just have these experiences and we get to keep them forever now. And it, it just yep. really changes your life. Nobody can take that experience away from you. And you know, there's people out there that say, Oh, it's, 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 it's it's expensive, but you know what? If you, when you want to learn, you got to have some skin in the game. And for the twelve hundred bucks or whatever it is, uh, you know, room and board included, right? Room and yeah. board included, yeah. Oh, it sure, it sure is. <laughs> Honestly, coach, they took good care of us. In my yeah. opinion, I mean, the the type of uh, the food we were fed. Yeah, there was food. There were calories. There was always water. Always water. Tons of water. Hydration Every, is important. Turn around the corner. Yeah, if you wanted to hydrate yourself, you could. And there were a couple guys that got foolish with, uh, oh, I'm not thirsty. It's like, man, you just drink anyway. You just yep. get that water in your system every opportunity. They were putting electrolytes in the water. We had flipping yeah. Gatorade, coach. Yeah. Was, this is nice. No, it's it's not just to go and see if you can wreck these guys. It's uh, we're going to put you to task, and we want you to be prepared. Yes, you know, with uh, with uh, with uh, water, hydration, food, etc. Yeah. It's no joke. They set you up for success. And if you absolutely play rules, if you if you follow the rules, you're you're gonna learn some valuable lessons, man. They they lay it out on a platter for you. They they, you they sure do. You show up and the coaches show up. You sure do. Right on. All right, man. Well, I've really enjoyed this. Uh I look forward to our next one, whatever, whenever and whatever that's about. And absolutely. uh I will definitely be talking to you guys more. Are you coming to Breckenridge? Uh, when is that going down? I think it's in July. July. I know there's some Spartan races in Pennsylvania. I've yeah. uh, I've taken on some some new responsibility with Spartan race and the hurricane heats. So I okay. definitely will be in attendance at uh, the Pennsylvania. It's like back-to-back -back weekends. They're doing uh, like a sprint and a super and then a sprint the next week in Pennsylvania. So I'm locked down with that. But if I can get over to uh, to Breck, I would love to. Come and hang out with you and Hunter. Right on. Well, a big hoo to you guys for uh, persevering and making it through. Big hoo to Coach uh, Commander Mark Devine and all the coaches at Kokoro. Uh, and um, uh, keep putting yourself out there, brother. Well, man, big hoo to you too. I, I'm glad to be a part of the Kokoro Club now. Right on, bud. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Coach. You got it.